one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? You would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. Instruction from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads. Two information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very bullshit saying the trap, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed. This is trapping today, and I don't even know if I'm re- because I do not see anything. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Gotta love the bloopers. I'm Jeremiah Wood. It's great to be here. Great to have you here as I continue to pretend that I know what I'm doing and half the time I don't. The Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Cots Bros has what you need for the trap line from a wide selection of baits and lures to traps to snares to snaring supplies to trapping different trapping supplies instructional videos cotsbros.com k-a-a-t-z-b-r-o-s.com get what you need for the trap line from cotsbros we're also brought to you by the on x hunt app use the app to turn your phone into a gps for your trap line adventures and experiences you can mark your locations where you set traps you run your tracks scout using the aerial imagery get landowner information there are a wide variety of things that you can do there's all kinds of different layers you can add on uh, to this mapping program and it just makes things so much easier to understand and put everything into one geographical context uh, out when you're out there in the woods on the land go to onxmaps.com and use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase from OnX. I do not think that you will be disappointed in this app. Uh, for everybody that I've talked to that's used it, I, nobody has any regrets. And there's a lot of you guys that have signed up for the app and used the, the promo code TRAP. I really appreciate that because OnX gets feedback that says, wow. There's a bunch of trappers that are interested in this stuff, and uh, and the trapping channels are really helping to promote it. So helps everybody. So it's good to be here. We are toward the end of the trapping season in most places. Some of you guys have spring beaver season, which which we have here as well. But of course, I've moved on to a lot of other things outside of trapping, doing a lot of farming stuff. So I haven't been focusing as much on the trapping today stuff. But this is a pretty good episode because it. it really kind of puts things into context. 
with a lot of the things that I have struggled with over the past oh year or so with trapping today, kind of trying to work my way and figure my way through a lot of the business side of things that I've been doing. So for those of you who have listened to trapping podcasts for quite a while now, I'm sure most are familiar with Chris Pope from the Coyote Trapping School podcast. I've had Chris on the show before. Chris did a podcast for a couple of years, I don't know, two or three years maybe. And two years ago, he stopped podcasting and kind of went off the grid. And so nobody really, you know, he was out out of the trapping industry for all intents and purposes. And uh, a lot of people have asked me, you know, what, what have you heard from Chris? Is he okay? What's up with him and all that? So this is Chris coming back to talk with us and tell us about why he's been gone and where he went and what he's doing. Before we get into the interview, guys, I have a quick promotion I want to share with you. It's an opportunity to get Trapping Lure at a huge discount. Trapping Today Lures, I'm offering a special discount of 20% off any Trapping Lure you purchase. No minimum order amount. Uh, Everything is free shipping on the lures already, so this is a smoking deal. The reason is I just ordered in a whole pile of lure making supplies and filled up the shelves with lure making supplies and bottles and everything else uh, all the different ingredients and I at some point here I'm going to be making more lure and I got to make room on the shelves so this is an opportunity for you to stock up whether you're going to use it this spring or the remainder of the winter or whether you're just going to wait until next season you can get a 20% discount and all of my lures are shelf stable. They're designed to last for years on the shelf, just store them in a cool, dark place. And they are going to be absolutely fine for essentially indefinitely. I mean, I've had some for five or six years here and that were open and I, I closed the lids and left them for years and I go back and open them up and I use them on the trap line. They, they're just fine. So, uh, excellent opportunity there's going to be a promo code LURE20, L-U-R-E-2-0, at TrappingTodayStore.com. So go to TrappingTodayStore.com, uh, do your order. You can order anything in the store. The discount is just going to apply to the lures. And uh, at checkout, use the code LURE20, and you're going to get 20% off of all the lures that you purchase. This is a limited time offer, so it's going to expire on the 1st of April. So take advantage of it while you can. All right, guys, let's get into the episode with Chris Pope. All right, Chris Pope, back from the dead. What's going on? Yeah, COVID didn't get me. I'm still uh, still alive and kicking. <laughs> so it's been two and a half years, I believe, since your last podcast. Yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, I think December. I think my last episode went live and it was November, December of, you're right, because I got my daughter just turned three. I don't, I can't, it's, it's been a long time. And, and, uh, man, I, it's, I have such a, like a conflicting feeling about it because I've had so many people. It's just the, our community is just so awesome that all these people that I've never met before in my life have reached out, emailed, Hey, hadn't heard anything from you. hope everything's going all right. Like, man, love to see some videos. I just had somebody like two days ago, leave a review on my, my like ADC company Google page 
it was like a five stars and they said hey just checking in on coyote traffic school <laughs> i was like man that's really reaching out to try to get a hold and i was like man i, I so i feel i'm still so torn that i haven't really done anything but um at the same time it's a it's it's, it's more than i guess i really realized once i really sat down and and uh kind of put some thought into it and so just kind of making those decisions about what you know where where priorities so yeah and i kind of um in a way i i feel that but i i'm kind of i kind of feel happy for you because i've been going through a similar situation that i believe you went through and you can talk us through that it'd be great but i i you know starting to to feel a little bit squeezed in terms of where I want to be in life and uh, where to allocate time. And just just for like the short version, I'll tell people you basically uh, stopped putting uh, all of that time and effort into the, the podcast and the YouTube channel and directed that toward an animal damage control business, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly right. All right. So run, walk us through that. So the the catalyst was actually a lot of it came from planning for a podcast episode. So I, uh, it was right. Tom Miranda's book, master trappers had just, was just coming out. And, uh, I was like, man, he would be a great, you know, headliner, like awesome person to have on the podcast. And so I, uh, I went online and I bought his master trappers book and I bought like his adventure bow hunts book. You know, I bought two of his, two of his books, and so I let that process for like a day and then I sent him a Instagram message and said, Hey Tom, you know, told him about myself, the podcast. I was like, I'm really excited to get your book. I wanted to know if you might be interested in, you know, coming and promoting it. Cause most time when people have a book, they want to promote it. Right. It's the best opportunity to get them on a show for sure. That, that's exactly what I thought. Like now is the time this would be an easy, you know, I'm not just being selfish. I bought his book. Like I want to show, I want to show some value here. And, uh, so we kind of messaged back and forth a little bit and it was getting to be a busy time because he still does a lot of hunting things. He's got hunting camps in Texas and Africa and he's, he's got a lot going on still. And so it didn't, it just didn't line up. Um, but in my prep for that interview, I listened to his other interviews that he did with um, trapping on trapping radio with Clint Locklear and then on the trap house podcast with Justin and Charlie. And, um, yeah, I was trying to find a I, different I have, angle. I, I, I have that segment from Trapping Radio with Clint. Uh, do you want to try to listen to that, see if we can get that on the audio here? Yeah. There's just a short – I just pulled out a short segment where uh, he talked about discussion he had with Jimmy Houston at a show. I don't catch that many when prices are crappy. You catch a whole bunch, but I still don't make the same money. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, timing, it's all about timing. No doubt about that. But see, the reality was that when I, I never really wanted to leave trapping um, because I st- stood in line to wait to see Jimmy Houston at a sports show. And I wasn't looking for his autograph. I wanted to ask him how I could get a trapping show on ESPN. And he told me that there was no way that ESPN would ever do a trapping show. And I said, well, I, that's what I do. And he goes, do you do anything else? And I go, well, I love bow hunting. And he goes, there you go. He goes, bow hunting. He goes, go that route if you're going to do anything. Well, I couldn't get on ESPN, but I got on a network called Sports Channel America, and I was on there for two years. And it was the adventures that got me into ESPN. And the adventures were done. I liked doing them, but they were done so that I could get more people to watch my show so I could get my message out. That So you would do like some crazy. All right, so um, that's that's a pretty good recap of, of 
what you were listening to there, right? That's it. That was that was the kind of the clincher for me. So I was trying to come up with some different different questions and stuff that hadn't been talked about on the other interviews he did. But that was my final question was, all right, Tom, if somebody came to you just like you did with Jimmy Houston, would you give him the same advice? And I never got to ask him that, but I know in my mind he would have, right? And so so that, the, the time that sorry to interrupt the time that that Tom pivoted and everybody this was a big question because Miranda was an absolute legend in trapping. He was uh, the very first Furfish game videos, uh, uh, trapping instructional videos. Craig O'Gorman was the only guy that had videos out before Miranda, and that whole thing just absolutely exploded. And he did really well. But then the the fur market crashed uh, shortly after that '87 crash. And the, everything kind of just was was looking very bad in terms of, of the trapping industry. And Tom had this little opportunity, and, and he pivoted. And from a trapper's perspective, we just see the old line of lures, and we see the fur fishing game videos, and Tom just kind of disappeared. And so uh, it, it's... It, no, until recently, Tom, he came... He's been back about, I don't know, three, four years ago. He he started coming back into the trapping industry. I think kind of, uh, you know, getting later on in life and he truly has a love for trapping. He started going to conventions again. He's, he's got the master trapper book out and he's been uh, writing some trapping articles and magazines. So, so he's kind of coming back, but nobody really, I think we all kind of wondered, well, what happened to him? And everybody assumed that, you know, he went because uh, he saw the writing on the wall with the market. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, I mean, it was, I've heard him talk about those videos that he did. And I'm going to say that Fur Fishing Game sold like 100,000 of those in, cassette in, tapes or something outlandish. In two years, he sold $100,000 worth of trapping videos. And this was in the 80s. Yeah, that's why. Can wild. you imagine that? No, that's, it's a, <laughs> but yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was a true pivot. And, like, and that's, that's the thing that, like, I don't. I don't know that a lot of people nowadays, you know, realize or remember Tom Miranda as the, you know, who he was, unless you follow him on, you know, he's, he posts a bunch of pictures and, and stuff like that. And he's, he's a cool guy to follow on social, but. Yeah. You and I were probably the last generation that was watching actual VHS tapes when we were learning how to trap. Well, and I, I never watched any of those, but I remember watching his advantage adventures. I'd come home from school and watch his advantage adventures on ESPN. And I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but he was pronghorn hunting and he was sitting in a ground blind and he was reading one of the old Dobbins books or something. He was reading a little <laughs> bit and it just showed a little clip of that, but it was a trapping book. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And then I, you know, once I got into trapping a little bit more, I started putting it all together of, you know, who he was and where he come from. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I, the first trapping videos I watched were those fur fishing game series. And, uh, that, so that was kind of my introduction. It was just so cool when he was, he was out there trapping and, um, the time of the videos that, that I can remember, he was, I believe he was in South Dakota trapping. It was really, truly a time when, when those guys could be full-time trappers, you could make a salary trapping. Yeah. Yeah. So the the challenge uh, is that you know we it's it's I'm going to speak for myself. Uh, it's not like I'm I'm not trying to say that I'm just doing this for the money because I really enjoy I love trapping I love sharing um, 
sharing trapping with other people and making all these connections through the podcast and through the YouTube and all that stuff. But it is an incredible amount of effort and time physically, emotionally, time away from your family. And uh, so it, it, it's almost it's only fair to, tr- to have to somehow justify that extra effort with, with some sort of economic return. And the challenge that that we're dealing with now uh, is is we are in a in an industry that is well the way I see it we have we have several things working against us. Uh, one is the, the the trapping industry, the fur industry is. It, it, Chris, feel free to interrupt me at any time because I I have a feeling I'm about to go on a really long rant. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I looked at some stats. Uh, the other day uh, from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service on number of trappers in the United States. And I'm going to go into a little more detail on a future uh, episode about this, but the, 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 more, the most recent numbers puts it at around 170, 175,000 trappers in the United States. And that, that's a little bit outdated. I suspect the number is quite a bit lower uh, right now today. And that's all, you know, that's, that's, you know, whatever. That's that's a decent number, but here's a kicker, and and I'm gonna go off on a little side tangent. So you and I both know Kyle Cotts, Cotts Brothers Lures, right? Yep. And Kyle is one of those guys that I have a lot of respect for as a businessman. He has been very successful in the industry, and he he get, he's given me quite a bit of advice. Uh, solicited and unsolicited. <laughs> um, and, and actually we were messaging just today uh, and yesterday about some of this stuff, but um, Kyle kind of, the thing, the other thing is that he, he, he is very uh, straightforward and, and does not mince words in a lot of this stuff. He's, he, he is, uh, he does not pull any punches and, and he basically reemphasized the fact that, as much as trappers say they're not in it for the money, the fur market does drive trapping participation and it drives lure sales and it drives uh, trapping supply sales and, and everything around the industry. It is driven by the fur market as much as, you know, whether we like it or not. And from the way I look at it, I kind of had downplayed that in the past. Uh, but here's the number from these Fish and Wildlife Service statistics that really got me. And, and when I combine Kyle's advice with these numbers it it's like hit me like a ton of bricks of those 172,000 trappers in the United States you know how many of those are in the Midwest no clue 95,000 so we're talking like raccoon belt Midwest raccoon and mink and basically fur that you can't sell anymore uh, it, it, I was shocked. And, and when you think about it, you know, the West is spread out and there's not a lot of people population wise. So I, I can get it. There's not a lot of trappers in the West. The Northeast has a lot of people, but there's not a lot of trapping opportunity. So I understand why there aren't a lot of trappers in the Northeast. But that whole Midwest belt, that farming belt, uh, that's where the bulk of the trapping activity takes place. And so the whole idea that the that this is market driven just kind of really hit home after I saw those numbers that 
yeah, the 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 bulk of our trapping community can can pick it up and put it away. At, you know, at the turn of a you know one fur auction result. Hmm. <clears throat> that's and see that's the that's a perspective that I don't get down here because we have negligible fur market anyway, right? Um, I, that's the it's the weird thing about it because that's what got me interested in trapping was to begin with is, man, I can. I can make money doing this, right? When I was, that's, that's always kind of driven me in everything is something that I can make money in and I was interested in. All right, let's go for it. The whole combination. Um, then, yeah. The combination of making money with something you enjoy. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but unless, you know, I, that you got the live market, but you really got us really a niche market. And, um, but I mean, there's more trappers probably now across the South, than you know the 10 years ago but it's all hobby guys you know that have a dozen 550s or you know a couple dozen uh dog proofs or something like that that are just you know they're trying to keep the coons knocked back from their deer feeders or whatever um that not I mean nobody down here even very few people realize that there's even any kind of fur market or there even was yeah yeah um i think the the main take-home point though is this industry, we've been in, we've been in a poor market for a long time. We've had a lot of challenges to trapping legally in a lot of states. Uh, just overall, this industry is small, and if you, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much good content you put out, here's the, here's the second thing, Chris, that that I see happening in addition to this whole market being shrinking and shrunken and small, and is content is free now and it's widely distributed and so someone doesn't have to buy a tom miranda furfish game video they can go on youtube and facebook and get every piece of trapping information good or bad that they want for for free and so we're what we're competing with now is free and and when you're a content creator it's kind of hard to compete with free yeah yeah that's that's exactly right unless unless you can tap into a big enough audience that exactly it can be monetized other ways that's <laughs> in all of this decision making you know looking at different youtube channels one and and different you know ways to monetize that's one thing one one thing that stood out to me was um seek one productions so these guys that deer hunt around atlanta they started out around atlanta and they i mean they've got a huge channel now but it's all a lot of their content their their content was built on hunting big bucks in the city in these subdivisions and in little parcels um and i want to say they started in like 2019 or 2018 or something like that and you know they had over a million subscribers or something when i was looking at it, i'm like man I started in 2013 and I've got like 12,000 subscribers, which feels great. And I appreciate every one of them. But when I'm, you know, when I get a $50 YouTube check or something, it's like, man, that ain't covering a lot versus these guys that are, they're doing this full time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You need to, you, you need to scale. You need to reach scale because the, because the revenue per subscriber and the revenue per view is so low. I think, uh, I don't even know if it, I can't remember how it's like $10 per thousand views or something like that is whatever it is. It isn't, it isn't a lot. Um, it, but it, because it's so low, you have to have scale in order to, to actually make a meaningful amount of money. And you can't scale if the, the eyeballs aren't there. 
Um, it doesn't matter how good of a job you do. There's only so many people that are interested in trapping videos. Right. Yeah. So that's that, that just caught haunting feeling in the back of my mind that <laughs> that would have been Tom's answer. Right. And then a couple other things I was, um, I was reading a couple books around, uh, one of them's called living forward and one of them's called, uh, the one thing. Yeah. And they're that living forward is kind of talking about how it's crazy that we as people don't really plan for the future or, you know, kind of set goals or anything, you know, all these companies, these executives, these high performing people, they all set goals and they know where they want to be in 10 or 15 years. Whereas most people just look up in 10 years and say, Kelly, how'd I get here? Um, so that really, that really got my brain thinking. And then the, the book, the one thing was talking about, you know, what is your, what is the one thing you want to achieve and what is the one thing that you can do now that'll help you get there. And uh, just as I, I was looking at that and processing that and, and, you know, knowing that I've got this animal damage control business, right. That's fledgling, but like in one year I've made more money than, you know, three or four years of YouTube channel and podcasting. Wow. And congratulations. You know, that, well, I, I appreciate. It. I mean, it, it it was really shocking to me, you know, the the traction. And but at the same time, you know, there's big companies that do this, and there's a lot of you know owner operators or guys that got three or four, you know, men working for them, and you know, they're making a darn good living. Um, and that was that was what I had to you know kind of wrestle with was, do I put my time and effort into this that you know realistically could provide a full time income, and you know, and more, or do I keep plugging away with trapping videos and i mean and don't get me wrong it was a nice little sideline a side hobby a side hustle but it was never i didn't see a path to where it was going to be something that you know full-time content creator or whatever that that could be a standalone entity i guess yeah i i and and i kind of arrived at the a similar in a similar place in kind of a different way i it really happened for me when I went to Alaska and that was, uh, three years ago. And I, it was such an incredible experience for me that the only thing I could think about when I left there was how can I get back here? And I love my job and I, I've never intended to, and, and you may want to talk about this in the future after I'm done here about, you know, whether you want to do the animal damage stuff full time I never intended to to really want to leave my job in the next number of years, uh, but I wanted to have something as a sideline, uh, as a side hustle that would be adequate to where I could supplement my my income from my job, and and retire early enough that I could enjoy that trapping in Alaska uh, before I'm too old to get around, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so, yeah. so that kind of, you know, for the last couple of years that was the starting to drive me and I thought, well, let's see what where this goes and I'll I'll put a bunch of effort into it and I did. And uh it wasn't until probably a couple of months ago that I started actually running numbers. Like you said, having a specific goal and I and listened to a bunch of YouTube videos and and audiobooks and stuff and talking about having goals in business. And I, and so I thought, okay, here's my specific goal. This is the dollar amount that I would need to be able to live off of investments uh, and leave my job 10 years before my normal retirement date. 
where I still feel good and still hopefully in good physical condition. And I can cover my health insurance and I can cover my family's expenses. And I looked at that number and I looked at how much money per year I would have to make to achieve that number. And full disclosure, I'm only putting away 25% of that number. <laughs> and, right, and so right. I, I started looking at, okay, if I need, I need to either scale this up or do something different or give up on that, that goal. And I don't know that in this industry that it is possible to four, four X that number. Um, I, I could be wrong, but it, it, you got to make that decision, right? It, what is, what is reasonable? What is, uh, what is likely to happen? And we, we really don't know what's going to happen, but you, uh, at some point you do have to put it down on paper and you got to try to make the math work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing that kind of, I got to notice and once you start kind of looking at, looking at people or, or learning more about with podcasts, it's really neat that you kind of get an insight into, you know, people's lives and their situations that normally you're just looking from the inside out, but you look at, you know, some of the prominent trappers um, in the industry, like some of the ones that come to mind, like Mark Zagger and Charlie Mashick, um, uh, Jeff Haggerty. I mean, some of these guys that, uh, you know, are seem like they're doing exactly what we want to be doing. And they've all got something else that affords that, them the ability right. to trap. That's, that's right. That's right. They're either either they're doing like us. They're working a full time job and doing this on the side or they are retired. Um, and like, like Ed Schneider, you know, I, I had him on the show here recently and, and he retired. And when he retired, he started looking for things to do and he got back into trapping and started that business. So, uh, yeah, that's, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think actually Clint might be Clint, maybe Jeff Dunlap. I don't know enough about Jeff, but you know, there's only a, and Craig, of course, O'Gorman, but he's got the ADC stuff. Um, when you look at it, they're really a lot of people that that are that were able to support the in modern times a full-time living in the trapping industry yeah well and even like talking about clint and i don't know i haven't listened to a lot of his trapping radio podcast but some of the ones that i have like i know he he does some artwork and like he's got other stuff going on besides uh, and, and now, you know, he's had the different permaculture podcasts and, and, you know, he's got other stuff going on besides the trapping stuff too, you know, it's, uh, well, and we're, they, we're talking about guys that are filling a page of F and T's catalog and like the top, the top, top selling, uh, lure makers in the country, you know, right? Exactly. <laughs> this is the, this is like the, uh, the Michael Jordan, uh, the LeBron James of, of the industry. So, um, it, you know, if anybody could could make that work you know it would be there yeah so what do we do <laughs> well i yeah i'd like to say it, it it's a tough it's a tough spot because and i and i've been you know toying around and like i said the idea continually rolls around in my head and i've even had you know i haven't the the crazy part about it um once i've got into the the ADC side. Right. And, um, I've got, I've got a, one property right now that would pay me to trap predators, dream world scenario, right. For most trappers, but I don't have time. I, I can't justify that even though I know it'll pay because 
I've got these other bat and squirrel jobs that I can make the same in a week there that I can do a, a month on a, you know, a predator line and just weighing that out and, and knowing that, you know, hopefully at some point I'm able to scale and get some help and, you know, still do that stuff that I enjoy and I want to do. Um, but I've, 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 over the last couple of years, I've, I've continued to video some of the times, the briefer times when I've been trapping, but I just hadn't taken the time to put them together and post them and, uh, you know, all, all that stuff. So are you still working full-time job in addition to this ADC stuff? Yeah. Okay. So tell us about that, how, the challenges associated with that and your time management. Yeah, it's a, the, the ADC stuff ebbs and flows, um, you know, there'll be, and, and I'm starting to see like certain times of the year are species specific, which is kind of neat to look at, but, um, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of, especially during the, there's a, what most people may not realize there's a, a what, what's called a blackout season or a blackout period when you're dealing with bats that you can't do bat exclusions because they have young that are flightless and they're in the house. Um, and so that's during the summer months, usually April to August, depending on the farther north you go, the, that, that shifts a little bit. But um, And so those, those times, there's, it, it slows down to some degree, but ideally you're getting those back calls continuing along. And so all that builds up that August 1st or whenever you can actually get back after it, you're slammed. And so there's times like that, that, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really backed up and I can use some help and, and all this stuff going on. So what do you do? And do then, you like take vacation time or work all night? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, work it, working the, the good thing in the summer is you, you got late, uh, you know, long, longer sunlight, longer daylight hours. So, you know, working, working on the weekends and, and, uh, trying to just, just keep up when you can and, and hopefully, you know, help folks realize, Hey, I'm, I'm getting to you. It's really busy, you know, and it's, it's a, it's definitely a, a juggling act to manage that. Yeah. Now for folks that don't know, you're kind of in the outskirts of Atlanta or the general Atlanta area in Georgia. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm I'm about an hour and a half from Atlanta, um, but I'm in a, a a lake area. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, high net worth and, and high dollar homes around that lake area. And uh, with bigger homes, you get more opportunities for issues around the lake, which is a lot of critters around there. Um, and so. Um, it's, it's not, I, I could probably be doing better if I was a little bit closer to Atlanta or I went into Atlanta, I could probably stay a little bit busier and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe scale and jump, jump a little sooner. Um, cause it's, it's still somewhat of a rural area. I feel like I'm right on the brink of that. You know, there's, there's a, and, and animal damage control, there's kind of like a line where, you get too rural and everybody just takes care of the problem. Yeah, themselves. Exactly. Out that's there. like my, that's like everywhere within a six hour radius of where I live. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so nobody's going to pay you to trap their beavers, but if you can get, if you can get in a, in a HOA or something like that, well, they're willing to pay to trap beavers. And so I'm, I'm right on that, that breaking point. Um, and, and like I say, if I was, if I was a little bit closer in Atlanta or, or advertise a little bit more, a little, just a little bit, I mean, even within an hour's drive away, I could probably bump that a little bit. And that's, uh, and again, that's some of the stuff that I'm weighing is, you know, 
how can I hire somebody? How can I justify that? How can I make sure that I've got a pipeline of work to hire them uh, or, 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 you know, do this all myself? And uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a lot, to, a lot to kind of process and think about and, and try to make that leap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming that I, I would certainly have reservations about leaving my job because of the stability and the job security. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely I, that's one thing that. I guess uh, I've kind of thought about and, and listened to other people and um, I, I try to think about that differently because when you think about, you know, if I've got uh, ADC business and I've got, you know, a hundred customers throughout the year, then that's whereas with a full-time job, I've really only got one customer, right? And if that customer decides that they don't want me anymore, you know, it's a, uh, but when you, when you're used to when you've always had that that one customer that full time job and it, it does definitely feel like a sense of security and you know all this other stuff like benefits and health insurance and all this stuff is taken care of and uh, when you when you start looking outside of that man that's there's a lot there's a lot that you got to kind of figure out all on your own it feels like to to pull this all together yeah and I guess it is it is different because I work for a government agency so the job security is is really good. Uh, at least in my situation, but I, if you work for a private company, I guess, yeah, there's, you know, you never know that something could change it overnight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, we'll see. Cause a lot of, there's a lot of companies, especially with this, not that I, I'm concerned about my job at this point, but um, you know, a lot of companies are concerned about, you know, a potential recession and, and all this stuff that supposedly is, is coming down the pike. And so um, I, who knows? Do you, do you have like a, a specific level where you're like, okay, when I hit, cause I, the reason I'm at, I'm getting into this a little more is cause I know there's people listening that are doing animal damage stuff and they're, they're probably thinking about the same things. Like, do you have a, a level where you think, okay, if I hit this point, then I'm going to, I'm going to make the jump or are you kind of just like waiting and seeing how things go till you make that call? So actually let's see a, a little over a year ago i almost felt like i was at that level um and i, I had a lot of work lined up ahead of me and i was like man I, I just can't keep up and uh my my idea was all right if i go and buy a truck for say a technician to drive that's going to give me more incentive to get somebody in it versus it you know sitting out in the you know, my money sitting out in the parking <laughs> yeah, lot or the, you know, the driveway, not doing anything. Um, and so I don't, I don't have a, a solid plan around that. I kind of have an idea, um, uh, more, more than anything, my, my thinking is I want to have kind of some cash reserve so that if I got somebody I can pay, you know, for, you know, and, and work get slack for two weeks, I can still cover the, you know, I can still cover their their paycheck for two weeks and, and you know not put them in a hard time and also stay uh you know keep keep a good cash cushion so that's that's a little bit more of what i'm thinking about definitely a a, a dollar level too um i don't necessarily have that i've got an idea about that not not a solid idea I, i'm not i'm not i'm not, i don't feel like i'm answering it very good <laughs> but i'm i'm not a super planner either like i'm a gut i'm a gut person you know i, I kind of I, I'll make a I'll make a, a rash decision 
or a decision quickly without kind of planning ahead a lot. So this, I've, this is one that I haven't done that with though, obviously. Well, the tough part about it is if it almost makes more sense to hire somebody when you are otherwise occupied in another job than it does if you completely leave your job, it almost makes more sense for you just to do all the work or as much of it. Well, that that's, that's kind of exactly what I've been thinking is if I can, if I can, and, and you know, you, you start getting into listening to some business books and stuff like this. And, you know, you want to be doing as the, as the business owner, you want to be doing the, the highest dollar task you can find. Right. And so really the, the highest dollar task in my business is not, doing the actual bad exclusion it's it's either marketing or selling those jobs and so if i can get somebody that would do the actual exclusion that would allow me to go and sell more market more then that's where the focus needs to be so that's that's exactly my line of thought too is i really need to get somebody that can actually do the day-to-day exclusion and repair and technician and trapping work um and then you know try to scale that way um, before just jumping in and, and me trying to handle everything. I feel like a, a while back on your podcast, you had a animal damage control guy on that was like a big, big timer. He was, he was really moving and shaking and growing a big business. Did you, did you learn anything from that, those interviews? The, the biggest, the biggest learning for me has been, selling and and just the process of selling getting comfortable with selling uh and that's that's taken a while man because um you know i'm i'm a trapper i i want to i want to get you know if i feel like i can catch the animal that's causing you problems and and seal that hole and keep them out you know I, i feel like i've i feel like i've done my job but then as the as time has progressed and i've seen well you know somebody calls me back and now they got the same thing in another area or, uh, you know, just seeing different scenarios of how animals are getting in. uh, That's given me the confidence and the um, uh, proficiency. I don't know what the right word is, but to, to sell and and sell these bigger ticket jobs uh, because, you know, I don't want the, the way I look at it is if I, and and I kind of, the one way that I differ in a, in some of those folks is I'm not a, I'm not a pushy salesman. You know, there's a lot of folks that, that will, you know, they, they structure the way they'll talk to people to try to get yeses so that it's, they're less inclined to say no. And, and I, I struggle with that. Yeah. I and so, yeah. um, kind of the way that I do it is I send somebody a report and I say, you know, these are the area, this is the active entry and these are the other areas that are potential entry points. And that way, if they elect to only do certain ones, I say, all right, listen, my warranty only covers these areas that I, I address. Um, and, and, you know, I want to make sure that you're aware of that because I don't want to I don't want to do the work and you think everything's good. And then all of a sudden next year you've got a problem. So I want you to know all these areas are potential entry points. And then, you know, kind of put it back on the, the customer. And, you know, some of them say geez, that's crazy. I don't want to do that. And, you know, some of them say, well, I found somebody else that would do it cheaper. And then some of them say, you're the cheapest guy that, that I've talked to. And so it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it sucks when you can't really put a pattern on it. it. You know, everybody's not telling you you're the cheapest. Everybody's not telling you that you're the most expensive. You're kind of, I guess that probably means you're doing the right, you're at the right price, right? 
Well, that's that's kind of what I what I've I found. So uh, year before last, I sold a job, which at that time that was one of my bigger ticket jobs, and uh, and and just I didn't realize. I get I try to give a little bit of color because I, I don't I don't have anything to hide, but I didn't realize exactly how much was or, or what the the ADC industry really entailed. And so I've talked with a few folks that were in and, you know, I know that, you know, bats and the exclusion is where the money is. Right. Um, so, um, but at this particular job, they had bats. And so, uh, I, you know, I did at what I thought full exclusion and it was, I don't know, like 3,500 bucks. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty stout price. We'll see what they come back with. And they, uh, come back and they, you know, we're good to go. Let's, let's, uh, let's do it. And uh, so when I got done, I asked them, I said, Hey, if you don't mind me asking, you know, why did you choose to go with me? And they said, well, uh, I agreed to do one thing. One, they had bats in a column and they wanted the guano cleaned out of that column. And so I wound up having to take part of the column (laughs) apart and flush it all out. They said, you were the only guy that was interested in doing that or willing to do that. And they said, you're also the cheapest. I was like, crap. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, I've had, I, I had another one just two weeks ago that I gave a, a, a solid, what I felt like a solid quote. And it was again in that $3,000 range. And he was like, frankly, you were the, you were the highest. So we're going with somebody else. I was like, all right, well, I want to, I want to hear every once in a while that I'm the highest. That way I'm not getting too, too yep. out of yep. whack one way or the other. Yeah, for sure. Um, as you, as you've gotten away from, like the fur bearer animals and catching them and you've gotten more into like the bats and the squirrels. Are you, are you finding the enjoyment changes or you just, do you still, do you still, are you still enjoying yourself doing this work? Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question. And I don't necessarily enjoy doing that. That's the weird part about it is I don't really enjoy all of the exclusion work. Um, and then some, some of the careers like flying squirrels, I feel like are the bane of my existence because <laughs> sometimes I have such a hard time tracking down where they're getting in. And, you know, when I've, I've got an idea, and I think this is the spot and I sell the land, the homeowner on, you know, this is the spot. These are the other things that we're going to do. And then I don't catch the squirrel. And then I'm back to square one of trying to figure out where the heck this sucker's getting in. And I, it, I still feel that pressure of producing. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so, but you know, in, August when I'm doing a ridge cap on a roof that's, you know, two stories high and I'm sweating to death. I, I, I'm not as into it as much then, <laughs> but then when, when they write me that paycheck, it all feels better. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's the, that's the weird thing. Uh, I, I've caught some, I, I did a little bit of beaver work here last month and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the heck out of catching those beavers, but the paycheck wasn't near as, not, as good. So. Yep. I can only imagine <laughs> But that's, you know, that's a perfect example. You just have to take advantage of the opportunity that's there. And for you, that exclusion work is, is the best, you know, financially the best opportunity you have. Well, and that's, that's, that's taking some learning too, because uh, there's another guy that, that does the same kind of work. He's a owner operator. He's got a couple guys that work for him, but um, you know, I talked to him. I mean, essentially we're competitors, but uh, you know, we know each other. I talked to him and he sends me beaver and muskrat leads because he doesn't do any trapping. And, you know, for a while I was like, man, that's crazy. You know, he's sending me free money. Um, but <laughs> then when, when I realized, you know, the, the, the pay I'm getting for this beaver and, and muskrat job still pales in comparison to, you know, that $3,000 exclusion job. 
Um, so it's, it's, that's something that I've wrestled with here lately, especially because one thing that we got a lot is armadillos Okay. and they're so unpredictable and they may be in your yard for two weeks. And then I come set traps and they don't come back for, you know, three months. Um, and so I've, I've tried increasing my pricing to get to the point where hopefully most people will say no. And even when they don't, it's still like, God, this is still just such a hassle and not really, that great of a use of my time. So I, I, I struggle with that, trying to, you know, still try to figure out what, how do I, how do I build myself as a, a, a nuisance, a wildlife control business? Right. And, but you know, I, well, I don't really do armadillo unless I've got somebody that I can refer to or something, you know? So, and, and the, the catch to that is that, you know, that person with the armadillos could be a bat lead in six months or a year too. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I don't have it all figured out by any means. Yeah, but it sounds like you've come a long way in the last few years. Man, it's it's uh it's really it's really surprised me and and impressed me the. So I started in eight twenty eighteen was really and that was a really meager and I, I haven't done, I haven't figured out any great marketing techniques or anything like that. So a lot of a lot of my growth has been uh referrals I've, I'm, I've got in with a couple of pest control companies that don't do wildlife and so they'll refer me and uh and then just word of mouth and and you know i got i've got a youtube channel where i post and and actually i get some muskrat leads particularly because i've got a couple of videos about muskrats on the lake and uh um so i get some leads from that and online um but like the first two years I guess the first three years, my business, it doubled every year um, to, to the point where, you know, it's, it's a substantial, it's a substantial endeavor. Right. And, and um, just again, just, I, I guess I say that to say for, you know, people that are on the fence or considering it, like it's a, it's a really good inter- industry. If you, if you're willing to, you know, get into it and, and learn how to do things and, you know, figure out, cause it's a lot of, I mean, it's like trapping, you know, you're trying to figure out the animal's habits, the animal's patterns, how they're getting in, how they might be getting in, how they might try to get in. And if you block them off here, um, that's, I, I've got no complaints. And then the, the, at the same time I run in, I ran into a lady, uh, last summer and she saw my truck and her, her son does the same kind of work. And so she was talking to me and she was like, how many trucks, you know, how many, how many crews you got or something like that. And I was like, Oh, it's just me. And she kind of looked at me funny. And she was like, my son, my son's been doing it for like two years and he's got, you know, three trucks, three guys working for him. <laughs> I was like, man. And you're in a growth industry, right? Atlanta, that whole area is, is continuing to grow as far as I yeah, heard. It, it absolutely is. It's grown tremendously. Uh, and, and continuing, you wouldn't know that there's any talk of a, a, a recession or anything like that. You ride around here and look at all of the building that's going on. So, so another three years, we may be talking to a, a Chris Pope that's got a full-fledged, full-time animal control company with several employees, and and maybe not even have time to talk with us. Well, that's the. <laughs> I, I would say that's the hope, but that's kind of the the that's that's the idea. If I, I the idea would be to get to be able to have the time to talk with you because I figured out because everybody to, else is doing the work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's the part that I've got to get figured out. I'm I'm the go getter that doesn't mind getting my hands dirty, and you know, rather than wait on somebody, I do it myself. And I've got to figure out how to 
peel back that mindset a little bit. I was listening to a YouTube video, um, and I I wrote. It, I don't know if you do this. I I write like when I'm working. If something I can be distracted, it's like a you know an easy a task that I I can handle being distracted. I'll listen to YouTube, and I. I ha- I'll, it'll be usually financial business type stuff. Try to learn more. And this guy had a really good uh, piece of advice. And I don't know if you do this. I, I, I jot this stuff down on little pieces of paper. And then I, I, I go back and I look and try to figure out where, where I put that piece of paper. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, I, it was, um, it was to the, it was basically to the, to the effect of when you're in your twenties, try everything. When you're in your 30s, figure out what you're good at. When you're in your 40s, make money from what you're good at. When you're in your 50s, try not to do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good – and that's – I tell you, that's one of the things that I wished I would have kind of learned about and, and heard about sooner was this whole kind of financial independence idea. Um, and just the reality that that is a possibility and that's, you know, that's all part of part of it too, you know, of, of, of figuring out those goals and how to get there. And, and, um, it seems from somebody that came up, you know, blue collar, my dad worked in a, a plant, uh, you know, the idea of, of retiring early just sounds ridiculous, but when you stop and you see that there's other people that are doing it and, uh, you know, that maybe it's not retiring early, but maybe it's being able to choose what you get to do rather than being told what you oh, get that's, to do. Yeah, um, that's retirement for me. It's waking <laughs> up and not having to answer to anybody. Exactly. I actually heard, uh, I was listening to Cam Haynes, his podcast earlier, and he was interviewing a guy, and the guy said, what, um, uh, he said, what, you know, where do you see yourself in five years or something like that? And the guy said, if I'm doing exactly what I'm doing now in five years, that'll be a success. I was like, man, that is what I want. <laughs> like that, I, that I, you couldn't say it any, but I want to be in that position where I could say that. Yeah. But yeah, we've, we've been spoiled by watching all this stuff where the people are having success and it's like, oh man, that, I guess that is doable. So how do I figure that out? But I agree. I never knew any of this stuff and you know, growing up in a pretty, pretty poor family, uh, financial, uh, financial stuff was not discussed at the dinner table. Uh, and other than, well, we can go get this because it's on sale or something like that. But, uh, investment was not a thing. And, and I look back and if I, you know, I'm talking about a 15 year horizon right now, I'm 39. I want to be 55 and have some level of financial independence. So if I had started 15 years prior when you double the amount of time that you save you don't have to invest half the money you have to invest right. a tiny portion of the money because of that miracle of compounding interest yeah and so when time when time starts to work against you it, it is really really a bugger yeah that's that's uh, uh you're you're exactly right on that and that's i mean that's that's part of it too so over the last two years my wife and i have bought two rental properties we're we're trying to remodel one now to get it ready to rent hopefully by april um just trying to focus on investments rather than spending money or you know whatever like and that's that's one of the great things that the you know the side hustle has afforded us is you know being able to you know do that and kind of put some more effort and focus on that um and just plan out how that you could 
get to a point of retiring earlier, you know, even taking six months off or something like that, you know, just, right. I, I, it seems, it seems a little bit ridiculous, but there's enough people that have figured it out that, that there's, there's something to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's been a lot of fun catching up with you. We, we uh, waited way too long. I, I agree. Like I, I really, Man, I I felt so guilty about all the people that have reached out to me, and you know, if somebody sends me an email or something, I respond to them. But you know, I know there's plenty of people that hadn't, um, and and just wondering. And I've heard it, it makes me feel really bad when I've heard you mention you, oh, Chris. Just the other day, I was listening to your your answer. It was your YouTube live, and you was like, "Yeah, Chris was Chris Pope was doing some Beaver Tail Wallace, but he's kind of gone off the grid lately." And I was like, Dang, you gotta do something. <laughs> yeah. All right on, man. Anything else you want to cover? No, man. That's a. I just. Yeah, I, I'm glad I reached out to you, and and I, it's been. Hick, I, I think I told you a, a year or so ago that I was going to do a, an episode and and let you po- post it, and so I'm just glad we. I'm glad we finally got. I knew. I knew when you said about an interview, I was like, that'll that'll hold me accountable because he's going to call me, so that'll work that's, out. Perfect. That's yeah. You got to commit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, it was great to get an opportunity to catch back up with Chris and see what he's been doing lately. It's always nice when people are gone for a long time to just kind of touch base and see what's going on. It also was a good opportunity for me to just kind of think about my stuff and think a little more deeply about the future of trapping today. So I probably won't be super uh, extra active this spring and summer, but you'll hear from me occasionally and you'll you'll get a podcast at least, you know, pretty much every month. I plan to do one. But the reality is that we are in an industry in trapping that's very small. And it's a wonderful and enjoyable industry. It is filled with so many good people. It's so much fun to interact with people, to network, to learn from others. And a great place to do business, whether you sell lure or sell trapping supplies or whatever. It's just a a good community to be a part of. But the problem is it's very small. And if you want to scale and you want to do things on a larger, higher level that's going to produce more economic return, you kind of have to focus on industries that are bigger than the trapping industry. And Chris and I, of course, discussed that quite a bit, where you know, a lot of what you see in the trapping industry as far as business is people who are doing this because they love it, and it's a sideline. It's, it's not a true uh, full-time business. So focusing on some other things is, I think, pretty prudent if you're, you're looking to, to really grow and increase your financial stability to where You can have a little more freedom to do things like trapping. Something to think about. Anyway, guys, thanks again for listening in. It's always great to have you. Don't forget to go to trappingtodaystore.com and take advantage of the 20% discount. Use the code LURE20LURE20 for 20% off any trapping lure purchase. Till next time, keep on talking trapping. Keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care.